0: Welcome to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, be sure to visit us at cbctaylorville.com. Listen now as Pastor Chad delivers this week's message. Hey, I'm so glad that you're here. I see a lot of friendly faces and people look like you're mad at me, but that's okay. I love you in Jesus' name. I'm just kidding. Only friends here, right? Amen? Amen? All right. No strangers here. If this is your first time, we're glad that you're here. If this is your umpteen time, I don't know how many zeros that is, but if that's true of you, also glad that you're here. You actually came in into a series, and we're ending a series that we began last week, and we've been talking about spiritual friends, and I haven't been spending a lot of time talking about the difference between regular friends and spiritual friends. What I'm just doing is I'm defining spiritual friends. So I need you to do me a favor, though, um, because I like to make you feel weird when you come to church, so that's always a gift for me. Um, So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the person next to you. I want you to say, hey, I'm really glad you're here. And I want you to tell them your favorite fruit. Go. And again, I'm watching and so is Jesus. So there you go. All right, all right, all right. You guys got a little rowdy on that one. (laughs) It's fruit, not dessert. I mean, you guys got excited. I don't know. Maybe that means you're healthy and stuff. I'm not really sure. Uh, So here's the thing. Spiritual friendships, what we talked about last week, we're going to talk about kind of two ways to define it, and then we're going to jump into maybe uh, your favorite fruit and an illustration that I think will help us to understand even more so where we're going and what's required of us to not only have but also to be a spiritual friend. So the basis of spiritual friendship is this. I shared this last week. The basis of spiritual friendship is a shared relationship with Jesus Christ. This is an important aspect of it. So it's a, it's a shared relationship with Jesus Christ. You, you cannot be a spiritual friend with someone who's not a follower of Jesus. So if they, are, if they are a follower of Jesus and you are a follower of Jesus, that has a potential for a spiritual friendship. doesn't mean you can't be friends with them. I'm just defining spiritual friendship. And the purpose of spiritual friendship, this is kind of sticky. This gets people in trouble, to be honest with you. The purpose of spiritual friendship is this. It's a common commitment to help one another grow in Christlikeness. So it is a common commitment, meaning it's common between the two people, a common commitment to help one another grow in Christ-likeness. So it is a, a shared commitment, if you will, that we are going to partner together so that each of us can pursue Jesus Christ and each of us in our lives over and over and over through the years that we can become more like Jesus. This is the point of the spiritual life. This is. For our lives to be transformed by the gospel. It's not just for us to attend church or, or to serve or to do those things. As a matter of fact, sometimes those things become an impediment to what God really wants to do on the inside of us. Here's the sticky part when it comes to spiritual friendships. It's kind of like these bananas. Kind of. Did anyone say banana, by the way? Got a couple. Nice, nice. Would anyone like a banana after these illustrations are over? Anyone? All right, I'll throw them to you. Can you catch them? All right, done. All right, I can get to you, Chris. Hey, I got an arm. I can get there. No problem. Um, I don't want a lawsuit though, so I'm probably not going to throw it quite that far today. So, did anyone say chocolate? Anyone? 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 I'm looking for a friend. Steve said chocolate. Awesome. Hey, just so you know, chocolate—the very seed that's—I looked this up by the way. I don't—I don't just know the random facts. The, the, the seed that actually goes together, the cocoa seed or whatever, is actually a fruit. So next time you have chocolate cake, just say, you're having, a, you're having a fruit. So that's awesome. What are the necessary food groups? Or so I was told in like fourth grade. All right. So back to the point. Spiritual friendships, kind of like a banana. Does anyone get frustrated the fact that bananas, like you just can't keep them around long enough, right? You just can't. You buy them before they're ripe and they're green, and yet some of you maybe eat when they're green, and and then when they get like this, you're like, I'm done with the bananas. But some of you are really wise, and you're like, no, this is just about time for banana. Brit. Friends. Thank you. (laughs) Friends. Exactly. You see, spiritual friendships are kind of like these bananas. You have to be really careful, and you have to offer a lot of care. If you want to actually maintain bananas and just have a normal banana and not... Make banana bread, what you have to do is you have to be really careful when it comes to spiritual friendships. It takes a lot of care and attention to have a spiritual friendship. You can't neglect, if you just neglect a banana and you just put the whole clump, the whole cluster, whatever it is, the whole bunch of bananas on the counter, it's just going to turn to mush. And yet the best best way that I found, maybe your way is better, the best way that I know how to care for a banana is as soon as you get it from the store, I'm giving you all kinds of good stuff today. You get it from a store, you actually take it all apart, and you set them there individually. So you don't have the weight, and then all on the lower ones, so they set like this. And then occasionally, just give them a little, there you go. And you just extended the life of your banana. You can eat all of them if you're not going to eat banana bread. Again, I, I just, I like to give you extras. That's, that's some of the extras. Let me give you some things that matter. Can we get to that? It takes care and attention to have a spiritual friend. But it's also very easy to neglect. It's really easy to neglect. It's really easy to neglect the people who you even sit with or you partner with or you're in a group with. It's really easy to neglect these people and just to assume that they're okay because you think you're okay. And because we can just easily just kind of settle in and go through the motions, even spiritually, and we can be at church, and we can sing the songs and listen to the message, be in the groups, we can serve together, and we can just assume, hey, you're okay because I'm okay. If we have a shared commitment to grow in Christ's likeness, it takes care and attention, and we have to be involved in one another's lives. This is the reason why we have life groups, to be to have an opportunity to be involved in our lives outside of Sunday morning experiences, which are vital, but so are other opportunities like life groups that we'll have coming up in the next couple weeks. But it takes care and commitment. It takes attention to detail. In Genesis 2, verse 18, the Word of God says this, The Lord God said, It's not good that man to be alone, for the man to be alone, I will make a helper suitable for him. Oftentimes people just assume that this is just a marriage passage. And when we have a, a marriage series or or you're doing maybe a, a devotional in the Bible app in marriage, this is one of the things that is there. But that word man could mean Adam, meaning Adam the man, and also mean mankind. So there's something there not just talking about marriage, but just talking about us as human beings, mankind. It's not good that we're alone. It's not good that we're alone. I'm not telling you to go out and get married. That's not the point. But generally speaking, it's not good that we're alone. It's not good that you're alone. It's not good that you grieve alone. It's never fun to just celebrate alone. You actually can't grow as a follower of Jesus alone. It takes other people walking alongside you to help you grow. There's another passage of Scripture that will, will add into where we're going to be. Eventually, we're going to end up in Ecclesiastes 4, but we're going we're gonna to take the long run to get there. There's a passage of Scripture that Jesus teaches in Luke twelve fifteen. Jesus said this, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. At first glance, it looks like, wait a minute, he's just talking about money. What does this have to do? Notice at the beginning of that verse, again, we, we get, become so programmed to think it, things are, are leaning one way and not the other. But what Jesus is talking about here is watch out. He says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. You know, one of the things that we could be the most greedy with is our time, with our energy, with our affections with our care and concern for even other Christians. We can become so greedy and we can, be, we can use all kinds of words and excuses why we're not involved in one another's life, but the core issue can be we're just being greedy. We can say, well, I just need to spend more time with my family or, well, I've just got to be out on this ball field or we just have to do this travel ball. Or, we just have to do this. Why just to have to have this trip and I deserve this and I deserve this. And many times what that is is just, is just a cover for us being Greedy. Also, what Jesus is getting out here is, is being greedy, just in an extreme form of selfishness, is greed. He's saying, "Watch out. Don't, don't be greedy and don't be selfish, because if you're selfish, one of the aspects of being selfish is to, to think, "Well, I'm good." I don't need other people, and other people are good, and they don't need me. And this, the core issue of that is selfishness. And I'm not trying to be unnecessarily harsh with you, but this is, a, this is a direct message from Jesus. And the core issue with this is selfishness, thinking, well, I'm good, so everybody else must be good too. And some of the areas that we're the most greedy is with our time and our energy, our commitments, our willingness to lean into other people's lives. Another teaching of Jesus comes by way of John 13, 1. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father, to depart from this world to the Father Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved to the end. He loved to the end. It's an amazing fact to me because he loved to the end. It's like he he walked with all these people and people followed behind him. And he was the wisest teacher and he was God in the flesh on earth and people were just coming in droves. Not everybody who came and listened to him were actually becoming Christians at all. Some of them were just simply observing him as the reason not to follow God. And yet those who would follow him closely and those who would commit their lives to him, they were fallen people just like us. And there there would have been so many opportunities for Jesus just to check out and say, I'm just going to try with some other people because you obviously don't get it. But praise God that Jesus doesn't do that. Praise God he didn't do it in my life and say, well, Chad, you know, you were on a really good track until that happened. And then you just went went rogue and did your own thing. And now I'm done with you. Now I'm just going to move on to somebody else who's more worthy. Jesus doesn't do that. And we should not do that. We should not do that. We shouldn't just walk away from people. Instead, we should have a mindset if, if, because if we have a shared commitment to grow in, because we have a shared uh, relationship with Jesus and we're on a, the same path and now because we have a commitment to, to grow in likeness and for us to work together in this effort, that means we have to be with each other through thick and thin because spiritual friendships stay together through thick and thin kind of like gravy. All my illustrations are about food today. It's kind of like gravy, right? Who loves gravy? Gravy? There's my gravy people. White gravy, brown gravy? Which one? White gravy people? All gravy people? Yeah, brown gravy people? Yeah, you're safe here. You fit. All right, so here's the thing. Gravy, gravy can come in many forms, can it? Gravy can come in the form of if you make it too thick that it's actually not gravy, that it's just kind of like you scoop it out and it's just like a big glop and it just and then it's just sitting there and it doesn't move it's it's just like formless it's just it's just a glop it looks like more like pudding, and then you have to smear it on your your biscuits or whatever and it may taste good, but it's you know what I'm talking about? Some of you have like a scowl look yeah, I get it I do too, and then you can also make gravy where it's like really runny to where you pour it over the biscuits and it's just like what it was like water it's just. You know, it's just not the same, but you, you, you tend to, like, live right in the middle, right? Not too thin, not too thick. Oh, I wish life was like that where we just, everything was just how we wanted it. But it's not. Spiritual friendships need to be able to last through the thick and the thin, through, through the highs and the lows. And not to just be there in the extremes, but to be there in the everyday Because what I found is when we have a shared commitment in the everyday to spend life with one another, spend time with one another to use our energies to serve one another, to step up and serve a meal with one another, to join arms at the church and serve with one another, some amazing things happen. Then all of a sudden, when you get to the highs and lows, you can't help but have those people being a part of your life. But it's in the mundane, in the middle, that most of us live in most instances But those times are the ones that we often forget the value of friendships. So spiritual friendships stay together through thick and thin. If you heard anything, you heard I like gravy. True spiritual friends are committed to each other through the highs and lows of life. What's interesting is so many of these things we just know inherently, but yet we have to be reminded because we can easily drift off course, can't we? We can so easily forget the value of other people because we work and we have kids and we have commitments and we are pursuing goals and we can do all these things and we can just so drift off course and think, well, I don't really need anyone. It's just my relationship with God anyway. And that's just not what the gospel would cause us to do. Because how are we going to make it through thick and thin If we also pick and choose. I just don't think it's going to happen. Illustrate the next point with a non-food story. Several years ago when we lived in Florida. Had the opportunity of going on an airboat. uh, On an airboat ride. And it was like a little tour thing. And the, the guide on the airboat was like he was the typical Floridian. Maybe you think the typical Floridian is... Is, is a guy with a flowered shirt, khaki shorts, flip-flops, right? Some of you are like, you think Florida, that's what you think. This is like, th- this is the traditional Florida guy that I'm about to say. This guy was about six foot tall. He looked like he used to go bear hunting, and sometimes he used a weapon and sometimes he just used his hands. <laughs> he had on, cut off sleeves on a t-shirt. He had a crop top. I'm not making this up. So he had a little peekaboo happening about in this midsection. (laughs) It was as awkward as it sounds. He had cut off shorts on. And if I remember correctly, that actually the pockets were hanging down just a little bit. This is a grown man, by the way. And he's the guy in the airboat. He looked like he'd done it before. He really had. We get in the airboat, and he, he gives us a spiel, and he's showing off, and he's going fast, and we're in the middle of the swamps, and... You know, we, we leave the dock, and we just tear out of there, and we're just off, just having a blast. And as if we get right in the middle of the swamp, he says, hey, do you guys want a picture? And we're like, yeah, but where are you going to take a picture? And he, so then he takes, I don't even know whose phone it was, he gets out of the airboat in the middle of the swamp, of which you cannot see the bottom of the water because it's black, and because it was scary, I didn't opt to get out of the boat for a picture, So he's like, no, 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 you guys stay in the boat. So we're in the airboat. He gets out of the airboat, and he's sloshing around in the swamp water. We had already seen many, many alligators at this point, by the way. And and so he's stepping back, and he's just trying to capture this perfect moment of us on the middle of the airboat. Again, brave, crazy, I don't know. He was like he was weaving back and forth on this day. He gets back in the boat, and then it just starts up just a torrential Florida afternoon downpour. Thunder, lightning, you think it's like a Cat 5 hurricane. You think that the bottom has fallen out. And if you've been in Florida on vacation or lived in Florida, you know that's every afternoon. We're out in the airboat. We're too far from the boat dock, so we, I didn't know what we were going to do other than just be out in the middle of this and it's just storming everything else. So he, he goes as if he has a plan, and he takes off, and then he just kind of takes off, and he's veering deep, 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 deep into the swamp. My son's here to verify the story, by the way. Um, you You can ask him afterward. Deep into the swamp, and then what we didn't know, and he did was, there was actually a shelter that was on stilts that was deep in the swamp. And other people who were on other airboat rides, they also were finding refuge at that shelter. An ancient writer said that a true friend is like a sturdy shelter. A true friend is like a sturdy shelter. When I was preparing for this message, I, I was thinking about that moment because it was, it was scary for me just in the, where we were. And I knew that there was nothing I could do. And the storm was there. And it was raging. And it was raining. And it was pounding. And we're just zooming along in an airboat. And you've got you know, rain coming this way and rain coming this way and not knowing what to do. And then as soon as we got into the shelter, it was like, oh, okay, we're going to be okay now. This ancient writer is saying that's what a true friend is like. He's like a sturdy shelter. Did you get the picture? (laughs) I don't have that picture, by the way. I don't have that picture. I'll see my dad later today. I bet he has that picture. I know. It would be better to authenticate it by showing you a picture. But I'd probably look like a scared little boy, so that probably wouldn't be really good for me. But But I think spiritual friends are like that sturdy shelter. A place of refuge in the storms of life. This is what the author of Ecclesiastes is getting at. I would welcome you to open up your Bible into Ecclesiastes 4. We're going to look at verses 9 through 12. We're going to spend the rest of our time here. And what I love about this passage is, again, this is a common passage. And it's, be, it's so common at times where we just... We kind of hear it in these settings, but we don't really sit in what it means. So we're actually going to get into what the author meant, what Solomon meant when he was writing this, and, and some of the cultural phenomenon that was happening at the time. Because once you understand what was going on in that culture, it really shines a light on really what it might mean to us in our day. So looking at verse 9, Ecclesiastes 4 Ecclesiastes is part of the wisdom literature. There's a few books of the Bible that are just known as wisdom literature. Song of Songs or Song of Solomon is, a, is just a piece of wisdom literature. Uh, Proverbs is just, a, just collections of, of wise sayings. Ecclesiastes is the same. And there's actually some other uh, things that they consider the wisdom literature too. But verse 9, chapter 4 says this. Two are better than one because they have a good return For their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If you're a follower of Jesus, you see, we have a work that we have all been called to. It's the work of the gospel. It's not just just tell other people about Jesus, but also it's to help disciple those who you've already told and who've already received Jesus. Jesus. So this isn't just about telling, and now, oh, I'm just waiting for the opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. That's only a certain part of it. But the other part of it is for everybody, not to just have kind of an out to say, well, I'm just waiting an opportunity. One of the things that we're supposed to be doing is not to just to just share the love of Jesus and not to just evangelize, but it's also teaching them to obey is what it says in Matthew 28. Teaching them to obey. So that's discipleship. We have a shared commitment to not only evangelize and share the good news of Jesus. But also part of this, this gospel work is for us to help one another grow in Christ's likeness. To be disciples of Jesus. And what God is saying is two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. And the work that we are all committed to is the work of the gospel. Verse 10 says, if one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Spiritual friends help one another in times of difficulty, in times of difficulty. What might the author be referring to? There's three different things that that Solomon talks about here, and we're going to drill down into these. The first one is this, in verse 10, when he says, if one falls down, his friend can help him up. It was well known in their culture that they would have pits that someone could easily fall into and, and die falling into a pit or certainly get injured falling into a pit. Without improved roads like we have, culturally, they just didn't have improved roads. So the ways that they would travel, there would be be pits and there would be things that they could easily fall into. That's what Solomon is making reference to here. He says, so if a man is traveling alone, he says, if he travels alone, how is he going to help get himself out of the pit? And also, if he's traveling alone, how is he going to avoid the pit to begin with? In times of difficulty, there's some scriptural references to the, to the pits genesis fourteen ten says this now the valley of Sidim was full of tar pits, and when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled some of them fell into them, and the rest fled to the hills there's another in exodus twenty one thirty three and thirty four it says this: if a man uncovers a pit and digs one and falls and fails to cover it and an axe or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit must pay for the loss. He must pay its owner, and the dead animal will be his. And also Jesus, in Luke 6, verse 39, he says this. He told a parable uh, that was concerning the pits. He said, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they both not fall into a pit? So for us, we have a hard time maybe connecting with this culturally, but it was so common in their culture. And this word picture was something that they would just know. It says, it's really easy to fall into a difficult situation. And we need other people. We need spiritual friends around us to know when a difficult situation is coming. Maybe to avoid it. But if we get in the middle of a difficult situation, to help us get out. This is what is being referenced here. These times of difficulty. Galatians six two. The Apostle Paul, to the church in South Galatia, he says this, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. He said, so if someone is caught in sin, if they're in a difficult situation and they're caught in sin, You who are spiritual, you who are spiritually mature, you who are followers of Jesus certainly should restore him gently. But watch yourself or you also may be tempted. What what I love about this too is, as Paul is saying, sure, somebody is caught in sin. Okay, it's undeniable. They're caught in something. You don't walk away from the person and just ignore them. You don't look at them as if you're better than them. You don't look at them and say, well, man, that really stinks to be you. Now I'm just going to walk away. That, that looks really messy. Instead, a spiritual friendship needs care and attention to say, "Whoa, my brother or sister, look at, look at they've fallen. They've fallen into sin. What I'm going to do is I'm going to restore them into the family of God gently. but I'm going to be there for them. They're in a difficult spot. I'm going to to help them. I'm going to help them out of that. And not only that, not to just pull them up and ignore them, I'm actually going to pull them up and I'm going to be with them. But I'm going to be with them. Once they're out of that, I'm going to help them walk out of that. Spiritual friends help one another in times of difficulty. The second illustration that's used here, it says in verse 11, Also, if two lie together, they will keep warm. How can how could one keep warm alone? Travelers in the cold winter nights of Israel, the cold could be so bitter that someone could, could freeze to death. Someone could be hypothermic if they were out alone. No different than... Maybe when you're in the mountains or even here in the cold and something happens and you feel exposed for long amounts of time and and you get past the point where you're cold and then your body kind of goes into a a shock-like state and and you become hypothermic. We could even know what this feels like now. And what what Solomon is saying through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, he says, in a situation where where you need comfort from someone else, he says, what are you going to do if no one else is around? Because spiritual friends give comfort in times of need. They give comfort in times of need. So in the bitter cold, two people could just stand together closely to share that body warmth. And then, and then through that, they may actually save one another's lives. But the illustration that's written into Ecclesiastes 4 is this. If you're there alone, you're exposed, and you have no one there to give comfort to you in your time of need. What would you do? We'll take it a step further. The third illustration in this passage it says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. The third illustration is an illustration of safety in numbers, of safety in numbers. The value of having people around you and even more than one, and even more than one. Because again, travelers along the road in the ancient Near East, because they would travel so slow and because obviously they didn't have vehicles, many of them would be traveling by foot and they would be really e- be easily exposed to bandits and robbers along the road so the word picture is this you're going along the road and then Bad people, people are trying to rob you, or are on the side of the road, and that you'd be exposed in between you, with the city you're going to and the city you just left, or the village you just left and the village you're going to, and you're somewhere in between. And he said, If you're there by yourself, what would you do? What would you do? There's safety in numbers. And what's being illustrated here is spiritual friends stand in the gap during times of danger. Spiritual friends stand in the gap during times of danger. There's a passage of scripture that I absolutely just am drawn to, and I have been for years and years and years. And it comes from 1 Samuel 14, verse 13, but all of verse, or chapter 14 in 1 Samuel is amazing because it's this, this storyline between Jonathan and his armor bearer. And Jonathan is, is, is a man of God and his armor bearer, it's, they're the only two who are there. They, they became a fighting force. And how they became a fighting force, I wish I had time to tell you. But it was an astounding thing. The enemy at that time was the Philistines. And the Philistine outpost was at the top of this cliff. And they, in Jonathan and the armor bearer, they they know that the the Philistines are God's sworn enemy, and they have to go battle the Philistines. So Jonathan and the armor bearer literally mountain climb. They climb up this mountain, and then they battle at this Philistine outpost, and they they actually win this whole battle over the the Philistines who are at this this outpost. But if you were to look into, I believe it's verse 13, you would see this, that they're literally fighting back to back. fighting back to back and they're fighting this, this force that's stronger than, than, than what they are and yet each of them has one another's back of course that's in a physical sense because they're in the middle of battle but let's talk about in a spiritual sense in your life who has your back spiritually is there a person you could call at 10 o'clock at night to say, hey, I need you to pray right now? I just There's something going on right now. I'll tell you in the morning, but I need you to pray right now. Is there somebody that you're in the middle of a situation who would show up at your house at 2 o'clock because you're in a bad place, and they're not going to judge you. They're just going to rush to your house, and it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and, and, and they're just there because you're in in such a desperate place that they just show up because they have your back. It's challenging, isn't it? It's challenging to me. It was a fighting force, a non-biblical fighting force that used a fighting system called the phalanx. It was actually... It was well known because of the movie 300, but the Greeks used this fighting force and other people used this fighting force. I think the Romans might have, but the Greeks did and the the Spartans did. And they used this fighting force called the phalanx. And it was this, it was amazing picture and it was portrayed pretty well in that movie to where they would actually lock shields and all of the shields would be locked together so they would all be one fighting force. But the fatal flaw was there was no one protecting their flank. They were incredible warriors, physically speaking. Strong, vigorous, raised that way. Mindset of a warrior. But their vulnerability was their weakness. It's the same of you. Your vulnerability is also your weakness. What if, I'm going out on a limb, far out on a limb. What if, spiritual friends were to hold you up when you fall and hold you down when you want to flee? What if? What if spiritual friends were to hold you up when you fall and they were also to hold you down when you want to flee? They want to hold you up when you're in times of difficulty. They're going to hold you up when you need comfort. They're going to hold you up and celebrate the things in your life that needs to be celebrated. They're going to celebrate those those milestones of your kids, the milestones of your marriage, those spiritual milestones. They're there for you for the cookout, and they're celebrating these times. But also, what would it actually be like in your life if you had people when you just you were done with people, you wanted to walk away from church, you wanted to walk away from that person, you wanted to ignore that coworker, you wanted to ignore that neighbor, you just wanted to ignore all people together, and you just wanted to to just move away. What would it be like for you to have a spiritual friend and say, you know know what we have a shared commitment and running away is not meeting that commitment let me paint a really quick picture for you as i close if we were to do this it would change not only our church not only your life not only your kids lives and your grandkids lives it would change our city And it would change our county because we would have been showing them true spiritual friendship rooted on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is what makes the difference, and that is what began our shared commitment in the first place. You see, the gospel is, if you look at the gospel in this realm, Jesus said in John 14, 6, he says... I am, I am the, the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's what Jesus said. No one comes to the Father. No one is going to be in relationship with the Father but through Jesus. And Jesus says, I am the way. It was the way of the cross that was the only way. And he says, that I am the truth. There's a lot of other truths being claimed today, but he is the truth. And there's a lot of other things that that promise you life in such a false way, but Jesus says the only way to abundant life and eternal life is through him, through a commitment to just a repentance of your sins, an acknowledgement of what Jesus did, receiving the gospel not in an intellectual way but, but into your heart and into your soul, confessing that you're a sinner, admitting that he is the Savior, asking him to save you, repenting of your old way of life. You see, God also knew that it wasn't good for us to be alone and separated from Him. So Jesus made a way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus offers life. Have you received Jesus? If you have received Jesus, we already have a shared commitment. We already have this thing in common that not only brings us together, but also keeps us together. I invite you to stand with me. As I close today, I just want to give some time and space for you. Maybe maybe what you need to do is just you already know who that spiritual friend is. And maybe you just need to thank God right here in this moment to say, God, thank you for that spiritual friend. I don't know what I would have done without them. When I needed the comfort, they were there. When I was in danger, they were there. When I was in that difficult spot, they were there. And maybe, maybe your response today is simply just acknowledging and praising God because you have that person and you are that person for someone else. And perhaps for you, you don't have a spiritual friend and you need to go to God and say, God, I'm sorry that I haven't made a way for this. Maybe you've been waiting for somebody else to be something for you, and yet God has been prompting you the whole time to say, No, 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 start by being that for somebody else. Maybe you need to start that today, and maybe you already know who that person is. Maybe at the close of the service, and after we sing our last song and we wrap everything up, maybe for you, you just need to walk across the room and say, Hey, I think you're this, I think you're my spiritual friend. Let's legitimize this. Can you help me to grow in my my walk with Jesus? Maybe that's your response. And maybe your response is something else. Maybe your response is, I just don't know Jesus, and I want to know him in a personal way. You can also respond by coming to the front, though people counsel you, and who would love to share the good news of the gospel with you. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you. We thank you for loving us First. Thank you for loving us all the way to the end and beyond. It's beyond, but it was also all the way before. You knew that it wasn't good that we would be alone. And we need people. And we need you. So Holy Spirit, move in the way that you need to move. Lead us in the way that we need to be led. Encourage us, challenge us, equip us for the shared commitment with you and others. Amen.